Chapter Forty Two of Marion, the Story of an Artist's Model, by Winifred Eaton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista. Chapter Forty Two. Jacobs, the dealer, was busy showing some customers the paintings. The place was softly lighted, and the paintings were shown off to the best advantage by the arrangement of the lights. There were a number of original rugs about, helping to make the place look luxurious, and adding somehow to the value of the paintings. Jacobs nodded to me, and I sat down to wait. As soon as the customers were gone, he called me over, and pointing to a couple of paintings in elaborate gold frames, he said, Those people who were in are furnishing their new home on Riverside Drive, and I expect to sell them quite a few paintings. They got stuck on those two, and I made them a price on them. Now those two are already sold, and the party who bought them wants them delivered next week. You have just come in time, Miss Asco, as I must have these copied right away. Can you get me an artist to do it? I looked at the paintings. They were about sixteen by twenty-eight inches, and the subject of one was Britain, Fields of Wheat and Harvesters and the other was of a priest or cardinal in his red robes, sitting, reading, in a richly furnished library. Mena, I knew, could not possibly do the work this week, for he was working on an order for another dealer, and I had come to Jacob's to collect for old work. I thought, however, that I could easily do it myself, so I said to Jacob's, I know a woman artist who will do it for you. A woman? No, sir. I would not have a woman do any work for me, said the dealer. I have had all I want to do with women artists. They do much inferior work to the men, take twice as long, and get swelled heads about it. They whine if they don't make a fortune out of their daubs. No, nothing doing with the women. Now, I like Mina's work. Take them to him. Don't let anyone see them and I'll very likely be able to have them copied again, as I think they'll prove good sellers. All right, I said, but I made up my mind to do them myself, and I went out with those precious imported paintings under my arm. Mr. Mena was showing some of his pot-boilers to a man when I returned. They were paintings of little ragged boys. The man did not care for them. As he was going out, he said, I'll come again some day when you have other pictures. Those little boy pictures are nice, and I like them, but they are not parlor pictures, and my customers want parlor pictures. Mena was puffing angrily on a big cigar. I laughed as the man went out, but Mena could not see the humor of it. He got angrier and angrier. He threw down his palette and brush and let out a big original curse. Wish I could print it here. I hope you feel better now, Mr. Mena, I ventured. That's the kind of thing one is up against, he roared. And that fool, Bonat, was in here a while ago, and told me he had refused to make some alteration in the portrait he is painting of the wife of that rich Dr. Craig, because the ass said he would not prostitute his art, and a lot of stuff like that. It makes me sick. 
he also lost a good chance he had to make illustrations for a magazine best-paying magazine in new york he had his own damned ideas about the illustrations and as they were paying for the job they told him how they wanted them smoothed out bonat belongs to the new school of painting and he actually refused to please them missed a chance almost any artist would be glad to get he's a chump i was getting excited in a dim way i was beginning to see something else in art than the picture business it reminded me of how poor wallace ellen's husband used to talk of literature i secretly admired this bonat for his stand and his courage is mr bonat a frenchman i asked no mena seemed uncertain of his nationality but he said after a moment he went to college in america got his phd at harvard and was offered a professorship out west somewhere but after studying all those years and wasting time he turns around and takes up art says all he learned about those ologies will enable him to paint better did you ever hear such rot i think i know what he means i said eagerly oh you do miss wise one well what does he then mena was laughing at me but i didn't mind i felt as if i really did understand bonat's point of view and i said i think he means that he will understand human life better i've heard artists in boston discussing something about that and i cannot explain it to myself i only feel that he is right oh rats answered mena it's all very well if one can afford to do it i can't and bonat can't he went without food for a whole week except some bread and milk and he's a big hearty animal and he went without his winter overcoat all last winter because he gave it to that little consumptive jew schubert the joke of it was that bonat weighs nearly two hundred pounds and little schubert about seventy or ninety if he weighs that and he reaches only to bonat's shoulder it was a howling joke to see him going about in that big overcoat of bonat's suddenly there flashed over me a memory of reggie's handsome fur-lined coat with its rich collar of mink and i remembered how mine had not been thick enough to keep the cruel cold out and reggie never even noticed how i shivered with the cold in those days my heart went out to that big bonat who had given his coat to cover up a poor neighbor from the cold the name is french i said to mena are you sure he's not french his folks were originally i believe french huguenots and he's partly german you're interested in him aren't you better not waste your time on a nut and mena finally dismissed bonat with a laugh when i showed him the paintings he said that i could copy them as well as he could and made me sit right down and go to work somehow as i copied those paintings the pleasure was spoiled for me there kept running into my head thoughts about honesty in painting and again i recalled my brother-in-law's remarks on literature and i knew that it must be the same with all art i could not get my mind off that man who would not for money be untrue to himself i felt something stirring within me that i had never stopped to think of before 
and I began to despise myself for the work I was doing, and I think I would have despised Mena too. But suddenly I thought of my father, and I wanted to cry. I realized that there were times when we literally had to do the very things we hated. Ideals were luxuries that few of us could afford to have. Mena had said we had to live, and that was true enough. Most of us were destined to wade through, not above, the miry quicksands of life. Art, then, was only for the few, and the rare, and the fortunate. Mena himself had had great promise as a youth. Moreover, his parents were wealthy, and they had sent him to study in Munich. But when his father died, there was found scarcely enough money left to support his mother and sisters, and Mena was sent for to do his share. He was only twenty-eight, and he tried to support himself with his brush. He was a good-natured, careless fellow, whose path had hitherto been smooth for him, and so he chose the easiest way in art. He drifted into the pot-boiler painting, and alas, there he stayed, as is generally the case. End of chapter 42 Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista